Now it came about after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' servant, saying, Moses, my servant is dead. So now arise, cross the Jordan, and you and all these people to the land which I am giving to them, to the sons of Israel, every place on which the sole of your footsteps I have given to you. Just as I spoke to Moses, from the wilderness and the steps I have, oops, <laughs> even as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, and all the land of your Hittites, and as far as the great sea towards the setting of the sun will be your territory. No one will be able to oppose you all of the days of your life. Just as I have been with Moses, I will be with you. I will not desert you nor abandon you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall give these people possession of the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous. Be careful to do according to the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from this to the right or to the left, so that you may achieve success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will achieve success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified nor dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. May God bless the reading of his word. Thank you, Sarah, and thank you, worship team. Uh, well, it's, it's my privilege to be here in the pulpit today. It's, uh, it's an awesome responsibility, and, uh, and uh, it's probably good for us non-vocational leaders to uh, be in the pulpit once in a while because uh, we can certainly appreciate uh, greater what the, uh, our vocational pastors do uh, go through every week in their preparation of a sermon and the delivery of a sermon, but uh, so it's uh, something, if you're new among us, my name is Dave Gossett, uh, this is not something I do very often, <laughs> be in the pulpit here, but uh, um, we, uh, I'm one of uh, several uh, speakers that will be in the pulpit in the coming weeks. Uh, some weeks ago, uh, our leadership decided that in the absence of our Pastor Gary, that uh, we would take a book of scripture and uh, the book of Joshua was chosen and uh, so in the coming weeks some various ones will take turns in uh, bringing the messages to you from the book of Joshua so um, we uh, we hold that uh, all scripture is inspired of God and profitable for uh, teaching for instruction for correction for training in righteousness and so uh, that goes with the Old Testament, too. Uh, some would uh, say, well, how is this uh, Old Testament scripture relevant to us, to me, uh, to us today? And, uh, well, I hope that uh, through these messages you will see there is great relevance to uh, all of us. But uh, the speakers would also like to uh, point out that this uh, book of Joshua is part of a drama that begins in uh, Genesis at the, at, at the fall of mankind and when man was uh, uh, exited the garden <laughs> of Eden. Uh, all the way to the book of Revelation, there is a, a theme, and it's the theme of redemption. Mankind 
is in need of redemption, has been. And uh, this, uh, there will be a lot of discussion about the nation of Israel and the land, and you might be thinking, well, why is that so relevant? Well, we will see that uh, all the nations will be blessed through this, this uh, covenant, this land, this covenant that uh, God made with Abraham. And through the, through the nation of Israel comes our Redeemer, Jesus Christ. And so, uh, in fact, uh, his name is, was given to him as Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. And by the way, that is the same name that was given to Joshua in the Hebrew. Joshua means Savior, or the Lord saves. So, so the, the theme that runs throughout the scripture is the theme of redemption. And, uh, and by the way, uh, I sometimes hear reference to the God of the Old Testament as implying that the God of the Old Testament is different than the God of the New Testament, which might be more loving. The God of Old, the Old Testament might be a God of judgment. Well, I don't see that personally, and I don't think we see that. In fact, uh, we will see the compassion of God throughout. He was, it's God that's been pursuing mankind through all these years, trying to bring them to himself. And in fact, the scripture says, God just longs in heaven to be compassionate. It's just, just like he's tapping his foot, waiting to be compassionate, to be merciful to us, all of us mankind. So we, uh, so today I'd like to just kind of give some introduction to the book of Joshua and focus on a few verses in chapter 1. But uh, as an overview of Joshua, uh, chapters 1 through 12, is all about the uh, pre preparation for entering the land, uh, the entry to the land, the conquest of the land, and then in the chapters following uh, ch chapter 12, it's about distribution of the land and possession of the land. But, uh, so, there's a lot, of, again, there's a lot of mention of the land, but this was, uh, we have to go back uh, um, about 700 years to the, uh, the promise that God made to Abraham that in Genesis chapter 12, that he would give the nation of Israel land. And there's more description given in Genesis chapter 15 that um, Moses said, well, how, how do I know there's going to be a land? And uh, how can I know uh, that this promise is true? And God made a covenant with Abraham at that time. He, they sacrificed uh, animals three animals, cut them in half, and uh, there was a kind of a pillar of fire that passed through the animals, signifying that this was a covenant that God was making, had made with Abraham, was making with Abraham, and it was unconditional, it was unilateral. God was promising this land and promising to make Abraham a nation. And so, but uh, this land was not um, as a, it was not possessed for these hundreds of years, and 
Of course, you recall the history of Israel. They were in slavery in Egypt for uh, 430 years after this covenant was made. And uh, after they exited Egypt and they were came to the point of entering the land at Kadesh Barnea, and you recall what happened there. They were 12 spies that went into the land, and, uh, this, um, and when they came out, there were 10 with negative reports, and there were two with positive reports, Caleb and Joshua. And so due to their unbelief at that time, they, God said, you, you, you cannot enter the land. All the, the uh, older generation is going to die off in the wilderness. And so they wandered for 40 years, and all the gener- older generation died off. And, uh, and that brings us to this point that we are today. They're back at the Jordan River again, opposite the promised land, and uh, they're ready to go in. They're, the uh, preparation is made, being made to go into the land again. So, um, so they had not possessed the land yet after all these hundreds of years, but now they're, God is ready to take them into the land. And, and um, so as we come to this passage in verse 1, Moses has died, and uh, actually there's a connector there. Uh, now that Moses had, has died, it kind of takes us back to the last few chapters of Deuteronomy. This is a continuation of the narrative. And, uh, but uh, we see there in the last chapters of Deuteronomy that uh, God uh, uh, told Moses, who, by the way, is referred to as a servant of the Lord, and uh, what, a, what an epitaph to have. If, if, uh, I think that would be about the greatest thing to have on my tombstone, David, a servant of the Lord. But this is what, how Moses was known. He was also referred to as the greater, greatest prophet ever uh, for Israel, the nation, because he was with God face to face. But, uh, but God, uh, in talking to Moses, said, go up to that Mount Nebo and die there. <laughs> Really? <laughs> really? But God said, uh, up there on that mountain, you're going to, at a distance, see the land. You're not going to enter the land, but you're going to die there. But, but there's a footnote there. Moses did not enter the land because of an act of disobedience on his part many years ago, earlier in the wanderings, when uh, Moses was supposed to speak to a rock, and uh, in anger, he hit the rock, struck the rock. And God said that was uh, an act of uh, uh, disobedience, and you showed me, uh, how do you say that? Uh, You did not treat God as holy in that instance. So so there was a consequence to... uh, Moses' failure there. But he was still referred to as the servant of the Lord. He was faithful uh, to the Lord in spite of some failings. Um, But remember Moses' uh, um, 
was a man that uh, argued with God in the beginning uh, when at the burning bush and when uh, later when um, God told Moses that he would be the leader to uh, lead the people out of Egypt. And Moses argued with God. Surely, God, it, are, you, are you sure that it's me? I'm not eloquent. Isn't there someone better? And so forth. But three times or so, uh, Moses was arguing with God about this, but God assured him that uh, he was the man. And so um, Moses had a uh, long history with the nation of Israel. He died at 120 years old. <laughs> and uh, But so there's a time for a, a transition. He's, uh, he's naming his successor. And Joshua is appointed as the successor to Moses. And um, he's referred there as the servant of Moses. And he's been a faithful servant. He sh has shown himself capable as a military uh, commander during the wilderness. And, uh, but uh, Moses said Joshua is the guy. He, in Deuteronomy, actually Moses spoke to the people when he commissioned uh, Joshua and said he let them know that, that uh, Joshua is the man that I'm commissioning to take you into the, the promised land. So, but, uh, so Joshua is known to be a, a faithful servant. He, uh, he might have been somewhat timid uh, because, as we'll see in these verses, the be strong and courageous is repeated a number of times, several times in Deuteronomy and about four times at least in the book of Joshua. And so many of the commentators think, well, that must imply that Joshua was a little bit, little bit timid, fearful. And, well, he, he, uh, I think his fears were justified. <laughs> you think about what position he was in. He was not only to be a, the ultimate military commander, but he, was, he had, uh, what, a few million people, men, women, and children under his care, under his responsibility. There was a military campaign pending these they were going in to possess the land and it was uh, but it was possessed by other people that didn't really want to leave they uh, they had been living there for hundreds of years and they had to be dispossessed and so there was a military campaign that's that's uh, pending but uh, also the uh, Joshua had some history with these people, not the first generation, but uh, well, also, but also, he did with the first generation also. But they're they're gone now. But uh, back in at Kadesh Barnea, when Joshua came back with a positive report, the people picked up stones to stone him. <laughs> so, so he had a reason to maybe be a little fearful of the people too. They grumbled against the leaders. They actually were ready to kill him for um, his message. But So he had um, a certain amount of, of fears. But I think every um, military commander, for example, has fears. Uh, if you take uh, even uh, General Dwight D. Eisenhower, uh, the supreme commander of the Allied forces that went into uh, Europe, um, 
he had to make a decision on in June of 1944, and he was the the one the one man that was able to say go or no go. And so all tremendous responsibility. He probably had a tremendous amount of fear himself. But but how do we how do we define courage? Uh, well, first of all, strength. Uh, it's in our text here. It says be strong and courageous. But strength is. Uh, uh, of course, beyond physical strength here, it's, uh, it's an inner person. It's a strength in the inner person. It's home, holding firmly to something, being in firm control of one's faculties. This is kind of a dictionary definition of strength that we're talking about here. But, but courage is not the absence of fear. Uh, I don't, I think we'd have to agree that, uh, but it's, but it's holding the energy of fear under control and channeling it toward positive ends. Or another, the Webster defines it as mental or moral strength to venture, persevere, and withstand danger, fear, or difficulty. So let me read it one more time. Mental or moral strength to venture, persevere, and withstand danger, fear, or difficulty. So courage is not the absence of fear. Joshua had fears, no doubt, but we're going to see that he had courage. He had the ability to venture into this uh, hostile territory with all of these people. Um, he was, and we're going to see, uh, yeah, what they, uh, what they encountered as a people, but uh, me. but because of uh, three things, uh, Joshua, and I think by application we can have strength and courage, and uh, as we see in uh, verses two and three, um, it's because of the God's promise of the land, and uh, to the land I am giving you. This was, again, this was land, territory that God had promised. Uh, going back to Abraham, he promised, it was repeated to Isaac, and to Jacob, and here God is saying, this is the land I am giving you. And so, here, there's a promise here, and um, and um, if we think about it, what uh, <laughs> there's a lot at stake. If, uh, um, if, if even one promise of God is not fulfilled, then does that not put into question all the other promises that he's, he's made? And by some count, there's 3,573 promises in the Bible. I'm thinking that most of those are promises that God has made. Okay, so even if, if even one of those does not come about, is not fulfilled, if God fails in any one of those, and we, we'll just take, for example, uh, John 3.16, where whoever believes in me shall not perish but have everlasting life. That's a promise that we, of course, all hold on to. 
how, would, how do we know that's going to happen? Well, because ultimately he who promised, promises is faithful. Uh, because he's shown it over and over and over. And so God is telling Joshua, I have given this land. I promised this land. I swore to your forefathers. And by the way, God, in the scriptures, it says he cannot uh, swear by anyone higher. He swears by himself. We might, in giving a promise, might say, well, I, I swear to God or I swear on the Bible. But God has no one higher to, to swear to. So he's, it's his name. It's himself that he, he, uh, he gives the promise, makes the promise. And so, there again. So Joshua could have courage uh, because of the promise of God. And it's, it's the... God himself that's backing that promise. So, um, but for us as believers, uh, it's very much like, uh, the land is very much like the, uh, it was an inheritance for these people, the nation of Israel. And we have an inheritance as believers, and I think Ephesians chapter 1 describes uh, the inheritance we have in Christ. Uh, it's spiritual blessings of the heavenlies, holy and, we're holy and blameless, there's election, there's adoption, there's redemption, forgiveness of sins. Um, but So that's an inheritance that's given to us. It's, it's very much like the land, but the land, the land had to be possessed, and, uh, and God wants our, our inheritance to be realized. He wants it to be possessed, and we're going to see more about talk more about that in the, the scriptures to come. But, but um, there's also a, a power through his word that gives Joshua strength and courage. It's the promise of success. But notice in this, uh, these verses here in verse 7 through 8, there is a condition this is not an, a condition. This is not an unconditional uh, promise. It has a condition, and it's be careful to do all or, or to do according to all the law, so that you may have success wherever you go. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have success. So, um, and this has been shown to be true. The, uh, the, uh, again the. There was a failure on the part of the nation to enter the land 40 years earlier. Why? Because they they acted in unbelief. They did not. They were disobedient. They were not in belief and not obedient to the law. And so they failed to go in to possess the land. But for the Israelites, the land was meant to be a a, a rest, a place of physical rest. Uh, and can you imagine being camping out for 40 years in the, in the desert. <laughs> they, they were ready for some physical rest from, from their daily uh, wanderings and picking up camp and so on. But, but it was a, also a rest from uh, freedom from enemies or uh, hostility. But it was a place where God was going to provide everything they needed in the way of 
of food and provisions and so on. But uh, um, we're going to see that the nation did go in and possess the land during this time. But in the, if you fast forward into the history of Israel, they were dispossessed. <laughs> there came a time when they became proud. They started following other gods. They started disobeying the law of God. And then they, God took them out of the land. They were uh, most of the people. They were ex exiled to Assyria and Babylon. And so we see that this principle is working. I mean, they can have possession of the land if they're obedient, if they're faithful. And, but it's, uh, it's on that condition. But um, if I could mention Hebrews uh, chapter 3 or 4, I think other speakers will build on this, this also. But uh, there's a pass this passage kind of ties uh, to us believers what this rest is all about that's uh, promised in, the, in this land. But in this uh, passage of Hebrews, we won't turn to it now, but um, the writer to the Hebrews is talking to brethren, to believers, and he's saying, I don't want you to fall short of entering the rest. And he's talking about a, a faith life, a spiritual rest. It's not the eternal rest that we will also enjoy, but here it's, he's speaking of a, a spiritual rest. And he said it's like... Uh, God created the, the earth in six days, and on the seventh day he rested. It wasn't because he was tired, but because there was a, the work was completed. There was a cessation from work. And the writer to the Hebrews says, we as believers can enjoy the same type of, of rest, a cessation from our works. We don't have to work for, for salvation. We don't have to work for the approbation of God. We can... We can have a rest and let God do the work. It's not that we're inactive, but it's a cessation from us striving, from working. And, uh, and the writer to the Hebrews says, but it has to be by faith. This, in the same way that uh, the Israelites did not enter because of disbelief and disobedience, he said, we can also, as believers, fail to enter this, this rest through unbelief and disobedience. So, so that's, uh, that's how success is, uh, is talked about here in this, going back to Joshua. But just a little precaution, uh, there, was, there were some believers that would uh, argue that success is uh, measured with health and wealth, health and prosperity is, um, materially, and that's um, it's not what we're talking about here. So just be careful with that. God is promising uh, things here, but it's not necessarily a rose garden, not health and wealth. Yes. In fact, uh, most of the promises that we know from God is that we will, we will have troubles, we will have suffering, <laughs> we will have persecution, and, and those are promises too. Our 
or certainly uh, predicted for us, but, but we can still have success. We can have this type of faith rest. Okay. okay. Joshua also could be uh, uh, strong and courageous because of God's presence. And uh, looking at uh, verse 5, verses 9 through 11, what did, was God saying? Well, I will be with you. Uh, do not tremble or be dismayed. For the Lord God is with you wherever you go. Um, um, and so, would that not give any of us courage just to know that God is with us? Uh, and uh, so, we, uh, we will see as we go through this book of Joshua the evidence of God's presence. I mean, he... Uh, stops the flow of the Jordan River just in the same way that he kind of divided the Red Sea but uh, um, the people walked across on dry land the Jericho, the, the walls of the city fell down just from people shouting fell down inward and, and so on and a certain amount of it, one time the, uh, the inhabitants of the land were taken out with giant hailstones and, and so on. This is the presence of God being so demonstrated. But, but um, um, so God gives Joshua this assurance that I will be with you. I'll not leave or uh, forsake you. So um, for us, uh, the word journey is kind of a well-worn word, but each of our each of us have a, a journey. Uh, our life is a journey. And uh, we know that the rain falls on the righteous and the unrighteous. We know that uh, difficulties, uh, natural disasters of all kinds fall upon the righteous and the unrighteous, all kinds of infirmities, uh, cancers, uh, disabilities of all kinds, and diseases uh, fall upon us well as unbelievers. So what is, what is the difference? What is the difference? Well, it's the fact that we can go through these difficulties with God. He's, he's with us. He has a presence with us. He will not leave us or forsake us. We don't have to be dismayed. There's going to be fear at times, naturally, but we don't have to be uh, anxiously looking about. We don't have to be in dismay because he is with us. And so this was the assurance that uh, uh, God is giving Joshua. And, and I, <clears throat> I like the, uh, our speaker, Mike, Mark Bassett, uh, referred to the valley of the shadow of death, uh, mentioned in, of course, Psalm 23, as not just the, the shadow when we're approaching the end of life, but he said it's, it's every day we're, we're in the valley of the shadow of death. And uh, so I think uh, this is right. We go through this valley, but we go through it with God, with his presence. And so he gives that assurance. Um, and, of course, Jesus gives the assurance, lo, I am with you till the end of the age. And God spoke to Joshua. And you might be thinking, well, if... If I heard God speak directly to me, I would ha certainly have more 
strength and courage. But um, I think, uh, brothers and sisters, uh, God is speaking to you and me. He's saying, be strong and courageous. And, um, and one reason I say this is because back in Deuteronomy, when Moses was commissioning Joshua before he told Joshua to be strong and courageous, what he said to the people themselves, be strong and courageous. <laughs> so so I, I think uh, whatever you're facing on your journey in life, you can be strong and very courageous. Have this inner strength to venture, persevere, and withstand danger, fear, or difficulty. And how can you do this? Because of the promise that he is faithful, the power of his word to give success, because of his presence. Uh, but uh, Joshua was, again, he was filled with a certain amount of fear as he encountered the biggest transition of his life, but through God's constant encouragement, God's word, God's presence, Joshua became one of the strongest and most courageous leaders, not only in the history of Israel, but perhaps the history of the world. But, but uh, Grace Point is in a transition now. Okay. We've, uh, our dear pastor is set aside, maybe permanently, and I think this is uh, God saying to us, okay, in this transition, in this difficulty, don't anxiously look about, don't be in fear, be strong and courageous, I'm with you, don't be dismayed, I'm with you, and we have some uncertainty in the, our future and so on, but I think he's very much wanting us to be strong and courageous, and I, and I uh, think we can, uh, by his grace, we can do that, we can be that, but uh, in, um, also in the scripture, there's many uh, re uh, usages of the word encouragement, and, and in fact, the passage in Hebrews that I referred to, there's, there's a, a statement of en encourage one another, um, with these things as long as it is today and so I think we we want to do that also as, as as a church we want to encourage one another inspire one another to venture forth in, in a benediction is the utterance or bestowing of a blessing especially at the end of a service we do this gladly uh, the original benediction was in Numbers 6, 22 to 26. I looked up uh, yesterday, and there's 29 benedictions, in, uh, at least from this resource, this source, 29 benedictions that are uh, given in Saul Scripture. The Lord said to Moses, Tell Aaron and his sons, This is how you are to bless the Israelites. Say to them, This is also to us. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. God bless you. Go in God's grace and God's peace.